Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is St. Mary's School for Children with the Stigmata. Episode 10, Room 201. Do you care if I record this? That's your story. Okay. Then we're rolling. (sighs) To be honest, I'm not sure where to start. Usually when I record, I have a script or at least an outline of the things I want to say. And in light of my current circumstances, I don't think it'll be possible for me to write one. If you're wondering what those circumstances are, it's because you haven't yet heard that Inez is here. Yay! Say hello, Inez. Hello, Inez. And thank you for that very timely joke. Oh, it's a classic. Anyway, I'm um, reviewing my notes, and it looks like I was planning to talk about the lock-in. So, bearing in mind that this is completely off the cuff, and I'm utterly unprepared, let's get started? Yes, let's. (sighs) Typically, to start the podcast, I try to revisit the recesses of my memory and... Pull out a single moment or string of moments that relate to what I'm about to tell you about St. Mary's. It's hard to do this under normal circumstances when you know you have an audience, and harder still when the audience is sitting right next to you, staring at you, threatening to not leave until she gets what she wants from you, which may, in some ways, be a lot like being a real writer, though I wouldn't be able to confirm since I myself am not. What I can say for sure is that the added pressure is a little much. I hope that after hearing the next part of the story, Inez can hop right in that blue Ford Fiesta she rented and drive far, far away forever. But honestly, I'm not optimistic about that outcome. Based on how things are going, there's a better chance of me getting stuffed in the trunk and forced to go wherever she's headed to next. So, SOS, everyone. Or if this all goes to shit, goodbye. Let's just see where the night takes us. I love a mystery. I guess, um, I'll start with... Um. Sorry, uh, any day now. Can you just give me a second, please? I'm trying to get into story mode, but for some reason the only thing I can think of to talk about is some stupid work-life balance podcast I heard a few weeks ago. What work and life are you balancing exactly? I only listened to it because it was trending, okay? Can I please continue? One of the hosts, I don't remember who it was, said that more than what they say or what they do, a person's thoughts are the most accurate representation of oneself to oneself. That your mind is the only place in the world where you can think what you want without holding back, or feel what you want without consequence. Where you think through different outcomes for decisions you made or take chances you didn't take, and then use these imaginary universes to guide yourself towards a secret future that only you have ever seen. (sighs) One of the few real perks of living alone is that I don't have to internalize all the stuff the hosts talked about. I can say whatever I want and feel whatever I want and scream into the desert or scare myself senseless or grieve for a boy that's been dead half my life if I want. 
And up until this point, there's been no one here to judge me but me. But now there's Inez, which has made me more aware of all of you, and now I have what feels a little like stage fright. This is hard to talk about. Come on. No, I mean, it's seriously hard to talk about. There's whole chunks of things I don't even fully remember. Then just start where you left off. Where did I leave off again? The end of school on the day of the lock-in, when you saw Timothy in the window. Oh, right. That. The clatter of the last bell of the school day broke my gaze on the infirmary window. I was still standing in the garden, staring at the third floor, still hoping to catch a glimpse of whatever was behind the curtain. I don't know how long I'd been there, but I noticed the sun had begun its descent over the west side of the building. The wind, now whipping through the courtyard, stung my legs where my knee socks ended and red plaid skirt began. I pulled my sweater around me as tightly as I could as I hurried back into the building. I made my way down the hallway leading to the old library, working up the nerve to fake apologize to Katrina for calling her a bitch. But, to my genuine surprise, she and Marjorie were already waiting for me outside the library's double doors. Oh, hey guys. Oh, hey Florence, she said, imitating me. Were you waiting for me? Waiting for you? Hardly. We were just chatting about our plans for the lock-in tonight. What plans? The usual stuff, mostly just trying to guess which movie Sister Mary Colette picked for the night. I'm guessing it's either The Prince of Egypt or Joseph, King of Dreams. You never know. Maybe she throws us for a loop and shows us Godspell. I'm not sure that's an improvement. Listen, Katrina, I came over here because I really wanted to apologize for what I said earlier. I didn't mean to call you what I called you. You called me a bitch. Yeah, that. Don't worry about it. What? I said, don't worry about it. It's water under the bridge. Seriously? We had a little talk in the library. And I realized that I was being a bit harsh with you too. Honestly, I'm not even sure why. I think it's something about your mousy little face. What Katrina means to say is that she's sorry too. And that she hopes that you won't hold it against her at the lock-in tonight. My gut told me that this olive branch was probably a trap, but decided to ignore it. Yeah, of course not. I just want to have fun like we always do. Us too. Speaking of, we should probably go find Sister Mary Colette and see if she needs help setting up in the gym. Good idea. I think she'd mentioned something about using the TV from room 201, so I can go get that. Still trying to avoid her? Just until she puts the pizza out. I don't want to risk her changing her mind about me going tonight. Was your talk that bad? No. No, it was just the usual. You know how she is. They nodded in understanding. I'll see you guys in a few. Bye, Florence. See you later. As I was walking away, I felt their eyes burning into my back. But it wasn't the only thing I felt. Ugh, what's with this heat? I thought maybe I was just flushed from my running with Katrina and Marjorie and kept walking, loosening the top button of my white Oxford shirt. But the further away from them I got, the warmer it became. Don't think about it. <sighs> they just turned on the boiler early this year because it was cold today, that's all. Nothing weird about that. As I approached the door of room 201, the air felt even thicker, and for the first time since summer, my forehead pricked with sweat instead of blood. I reached for the doorknob, but before I could grab it, I pulled my hand back. What the? The handle was red hot. Oh shit, fire! I began to back away, but then the door swung open with a slow, eerie creak. I looked inside. No fire. Timothy, what are you doing here? 
He put his hand over my mouth and an index finger to my lips before shutting the door behind me. He dropped his hands and turned to the chalkboard and wrote, I'm not supposed to be here. Okay, then why are you? He kept writing. I had to talk to you. All the fear I'd felt when I was standing on the other side of the door disappeared. Why? He turned back to the chalkboard. I saw you in my vision. What vision? Timothy? Timothy, are you down here? Hide! Timothy ducked behind a big wooden teacher's desk in the back of the room as I frantically erased the writing on the chalkboard. Timothy? The footsteps got closer and closer before they stopped at the door of room 201. The door creaked open. Florence, may I ask what it is you're doing? I was just getting the TV for tonight's lock-in. With the door closed? I was just about to open it. Why is it so warm in here? I don't know. Thought maybe we turned the heat on early? Not to my knowledge. So weird. Indeed it is. Sister Mary Collette stared at me. You haven't seen Timothy, have you? He left the infirmary, and we can't seem to find him anywhere. I could feel my eyes dart around the room. No, sister. So you were just in here getting the TV? Yes. Nothing else. Not drawing on the chalkboard. Not talking to anyone. No. Sister Mary Collette walked to the chalkboard examining my erasers as though she was hunting for clues. Actually, sister... She spun around to stare at me. I was hiding. From you. From the other girls. After this morning's class, I thought everyone was mad at me, so I came in here to kind of lay low, I guess. I figured once everything was set up, I could roll the TV in for the movies and all would be forgiven. Is that so? You know how much this night means to all of us. I felt really bad for losing my temper and almost ruining it. I even apologized to Katrina. You can ask her. She and Marjorie out in front of the library, I, I think. Hmm. And has Katrina forgiven you? Probably not, but she says she has. And I'm sorry, too, for calling you a babysitter. I didn't mean it. No, I believe you meant it. <laughs> but I understand why you said it. I appreciate you being honest with me. So apology accepted. I felt a pang of guilt in my stomach. The blood rushed to my head and out of my wounds. Oh dear. You're bleeding. I am. I dabbed my head with my fingertips. Let's get you to the infirmary and patch you up. I don't want you to miss tonight's event. What about the TV? I'll send the other girls to get it. We walked down the hall and up the stairs to the infirmary. Go ahead and lie down. I'll go get some gauze. I lay down on the cot, feeling an overwhelming urge to sleep. I began to drift. Sister Mary Collette came back with medical supplies and a glass of water. What is it, Florence? I don't know. I feel sort of dizzy all of a sudden. I tried to sit back up, but could feel myself beginning to fall into the abyss of a vision. No. The room around me went dark. I could hear Sister Mary Collette whispering to me. What is it, Florence? But I couldn't see anything. Not yet. I was suspended in darkness. Nothing. It's all dark. As I spoke, a pinprick of light appeared in the end of the tunnel of my vision. 
I felt my body temperature rise. It's so warm. But what do you see? At the end of the tunnel, I began to see the shape of a woman. As she began to come into focus, I realized that she was someone I'd never seen before. I see... a woman. What woman? I don't know. She waved her arms as though telling me to stop. I walked closer to her. What does she look like, Florence? I could see her put her hands over her mouth, like Timothy did in room 201. I stopped. Florence, can you hear me? I could, but I didn't say a word. I can even see her now. <gasps> Inez? What is it? The woman. In my vision. She looked just like me. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Mary's School for Children with the Stigmata. If you enjoyed this chapter, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to support this podcast so we can keep making more episodes, click the support link in the show notes. To learn more about this and all our projects, visit our website, newgirlpictures.com.